are times when it's hard to tell if a person's anger is is righteous or not. And then, of course, there is this added degree of difficulty that we tend to think best of ourselves when it comes to our own anger. We will judge others as being sinful or not, but when it comes to us, our tendency is to scale down our anger, and so many times we will see it as righteous. And so the question is, when is our anger righteous? When is it unrighteous? How do you tell the difference? Well, righteous anger is the term that Christians use to describe someone who is not sinning when angry. Now, it is possible to be angry and sin not. But the question is, how do you know if your anger is righteous or unrighteous? What does righteous anger do that sinful anger cannot? Well, I am going to explore these questions in this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and the title of this article that I'm sharing with you is How to Distinguish Between Righteous and Unrighteous Anger. If you have any questions for me and our team about anger or anything else that's on your mind, please jump on our free community forums, and we would love to engage with you. Our team is ready, willing, and able uh, to handle, to tackle, to try to give advice to whatever questions you may have. And again, if it's about uh, righteous and unrighteous anger, these would be good things to talk about because anger is a universal issue. Now, let me also say for those of you who are listening to the podcast that I am doing a video of this podcast. I'm starting to step up our video game. Uh, we've, because of those who support our ministry, we, we've been able to get more equipment that allows us to do more on YouTube and Vimeo and Rumble. Those are our three video platforms. And so we want to continue to do these things so that we can take advantage of all the mediums, but also the your preferred access points as far as receiving good content. Some people just want to read, and that's fantastic, and so you can read a full transcript of this podcast that you're listening to. Or you can listen to the podcast as you're doing now. And then, of course, those of you on YouTube and also Vimeo and Rumble, you can watch this presentation. So through the ear gate, the eye gate, and of course, reading. And so uh, you pick your pick the one that you like, but we are putting this podcast in a video. Now, let me get into it. And if you want to find the article on our website, the title of it is How how to distinguish between righteous and unrighteous anger. Three of the more popular texts that validate righteous anger are Ephesians 4.26. Now, you're familiar, I'm, you're familiar with these passages, I'm quite sure. Ephesians 4.26 says this. Paul wrote out, he said, Be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger. And so it seems to be implied here that there is a case to be made for anger. But of course, Paul doesn't want anger to just be a continual habit and a pattern in your life. So be, anger, be angry. Do not sin. There's a qualifier. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then James said it this way. He says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so there's, there's the positive and the negative of anger. 
Paul seems to be saying that there is a righteous anger. James is saying that there's also an unrighteous anger. And then the passage that I want to work through in this podcast is Matthew 21, verses 12 through 14. I'll share part of that with you, but you already know the passage. It says that Jesus, this is Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And then, of course, there's verses 13 and 14. And this would be a good passage for you to look at. And I'm going to talk about it uh, in this particular episode. Now, of course, there are the Psalms. The Psalms are full of passages of people who express anger, like anger to God regarding the evil in our world. And then there are also the Proverbs, where we learn about sinful anger. And so I do not struggle with putting all of these verses together, or at least some of them, and placing them under the heading of righteous anger. Yes, you can make a case for righteous anger, and I'm going to do that here. But my concern is that some people, like maybe me, some people are just too quick to label their anger as righteous while those on the receiving end of their anger are more hurt than helped by it. Now, that is one of your clues, by the way. If the person on the other end of your anger is more hurt than helped by your anger, then, well, it probably was not righteous. Righteous anger, for example, has elements that do not comprise sinful anger. And in this podcast, I am going to work through three of those elements. But because our collective tendency is to esteem ourselves more than others, it is wise to have a solid biblical footing for our beliefs and our practices. And so let's look at three of those elements in this podcast, and I trust that you will spend some time comparing your most recent display of anger with the three elements of righteous anger that I'm going to present to you. So maybe this would be a good time to pause the podcast or the video and think about the last time you were angry, or the last few times that you were angry with someone. And so before going further, how would you classify it? How would you classify that angry moment? Was it righteous or was it unrighteous? Perhaps you can reflect on when you were confident that your anger was righteous. And so now you're making a case for righteous anger. And so here's the question. How does that case that you're making for the last time you were righteously angry compare to these three elements that we see in Matthew 21, verses 12 through 14, where Jesus, without question, was righteously angry? And so how does your righteous anger compare to his? Now, let me give you the three elements of righteous anger, and then I'll get inside of all three of those. Number one is righteous anger has a humble aspect to it. So you could say anger and humility. A second core element to righteous anger is redemption. And so you could say anger and redemption. And then the third core element to righteous anger is community. 
anger, and community. And so we're going to look at community and anger, redemption and anger, and humility and anger. And all three of those things comprise what we call righteous anger. And so let's take a look at anger and humility. Discerning our anger is essential, especially if we have been sinfully angry, which is what I am calling unrighteous anger. We must identify any sin in our anger, regardless of how we want to categorize the anger. Some of you are familiar with my anger spectrum. I'll not recreate that here in this podcast. I do have a link here in this article, and you can click on that link, and it will take you to that infographic, and it gives many different labels for anger, like frustration and rolling of the eyes and huffing under the breath and and racism, and throwing things, and cursing people, and so anger has a broad spectrum, and so we must identify any sin that is anger, regardless of how we want to categorize or label it. If we don't perceive sin in our anger, assuming that it is present We will not seek to repent, which means we will not be able to put off that bad behavior. And so we want to be honest. We want to be humble. That's what we're talking about in this category. We want to be humble about our anger. And one of the ways that you can show humility is by being bold and courageous by looking at your anger and dissect it and to make sure that we haven't reclassified it in such a way that we are turning unrighteous anger into righteous anger. And so the best starting point when trying to discern our own anger is a healthy dose of self-suspicion. I I referred already to our high view of ourselves, that problem that I mentioned earlier. If you are a Christian, you should have enough biblical common sense to know how quickly any of us can deceive ourselves. We we have a skill set for deception, especially being blind to our own blindness. Unfortunately, if, if you're anything like me, you will not have the clarity that you need to perceive the traces of sin in your anger, primarily when you direct it toward others. And so with a healthy dose of self-suspicion, which is one of the characteristics of humility that you're judging the log in your eye first, and so with a healthy dose of self-suspicion as our starting point when we're talking about our anger, we want to ask our friends their perspectives, assuming that they have assumed our, observed our anger or the anger event. If it's a family member that you're asking about your anger, then everyone has a leadership opportunity. This is an excellent time to to not only show humility and self-suspicion or humility through self-suspicion as you inquire of a family member, but it's also a time to step up as a leader, as you model true biblical leadership in your home. Of course, if your anger truly is righteous, then of course you are humble enough to ask others how they experience you. 
If it's righteous anger, you're humble. If you are humble, you have nothing to fear, nothing to hide, nothing to protect. And so if it truly is righteous anger, you will not struggle by asking them how they perceived and received the anger that came from you. Now, if you can't ask these questions of the people who experienced your anger, well, then you probably have your answer to your anger, and it's not righteous. And so one of the elements that make up righteous anger is humility. And so let me ask you a couple of questions about humility. Number one, do you have a healthy dose of self-suspicion about how you observe yourself? Rick, do you have a healthy dose of self-suspicion about how I look at myself in the mirror? And then number two, do you regularly ask others? how they experience your communication. Now, if you do not regularly ask others how they experience your communication, and I'm not just talking about anger. It could be anger that I'm talking about. But how do they experience your communication? This is a common question that I do ask Lucia and have asked our children often. Uh, how did that sound to you? How did I come across? By the way, as a counselor, I've asked this question for years in the counseling office, especially when things get tense and you're trying to communicate a point and maybe a person is being stubborn or they're not getting something that they should see. There have been many times when I've asked them, how did I come across to you? And sometimes I have come across harshly and I have, asked, have had to ask them to forgive me I was right in my observation, but I was wrong in my delivery. And so do you regularly ask others how they experience your communication? If you do not do this, why not? And so I'm talking about three core elements that make up righteous anger. The first one here is humility. The second one is redemption, anger and redemption. The passage of Scripture that I've been looking at is Matthew 21, Verses 12 through 14, again, it goes like this. Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, quote, it is written, my house shall not be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers, end quote. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. That last sentence there is, is just stunning. The most popular passage used when talking about righteous anger is when Jesus turned the tables over in the temple. This passage is essential for any discussion on anger, but even more so when trying to discern the differences between righteous and unrighteous communication. This portion of Scripture is narrative. Now, that's important. What do I mean by narrative? It is just simply telling a story. It's just a story. It's a narrative part of the Bible. The point of the passage is not about anger. That is not the point. A story tells a story, and so we want to make sure that we understand the point of the story, even though there's other things going on in the story, but a story can only have one point. And so this passage is not about anger, though there are some things that we can learn about the anger of Jesus, one of which is the redemptive nature of his anger. Though he physically harmed a few tables, he did not physically harm 
any humans. The point of his anger was not to be verbally abusive toward anyone. The point of his anger was to be restorative in the lives of those who would listen to him. Not everybody would listen to him, but the point of his anger was to be restorative. This outcome aligns with what Paul taught about our communication style in Ephesians. Our communication must aim to build up another person. That is this idea of communication and redemption. Paul said it this way in 429 of Ephesians. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Corrupting talk has this destroying effect. Unrighteous anger has this destroying effect as well. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up the redemptive purpose of communication Well, righteous anger has a building up, redemptive purpose to it. Paul says, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. And in the occasion occasion of the temple that day, the type of communication was righteous anger. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 4.29 that it may give grace to those who hear. There were some people in the temple that day who were sabotaging the purposes of the temple. Jesus wanted them to know how they had defiled the temple, and he would not stand for it. His desire was not to hurt anyone, but to draw attention to the unrighteous error that they were making. He wanted to redeem their religion, not harm humans. Perhaps reflecting on these questions will aid you in examining your anger responses in this particular element here. I'm talking about anger and restoration. Two questions. Number one, is your anger restorative in that you're drawing attention to unrighteous errors? Sometimes it's very appropriate to be angry in those moments because you want to really amplify almost in a a hyperbole kind of way, and you use righteous anger to speak to unrighteous errors. Is your anger restorative that way? Question number two, is the primary motive of your anger about not defiling God's fame? Our motivation for that anger is critical because our words, well, they come from our hearts, and the motive of our hearts produce our words. Therefore, we want to make sure that the words that we communicate are motivated, fixated from a motivation perspective the right way. And so is the primary motive for your anger about not defiling God's fame. Jesus did not want to defile his Father's fame as he was getting angry. Or is your anger more about what you are not getting Now, this is what James talked about in James 4, 1, 2, and 3. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. That is obvious unrighteous anger, and that is a whole different motivation that's not spreading God's fame, but it is defiling God's fame by tearing down other humans. And so the question is your primary motive for your anger about not defiling God's fame. It has a redemptive focus toward it. And so righteous anger, three of the elements are humility, and number two is 
redemption or restorative. And then number three is community. It has a communal feel to it, a communal expression. And this is an interesting observation about the anger of Jesus that day in the temple, is that the folks who needed his restorative care, anger and redemption, those who needed it, they were not afraid of him. Though he hated the sinfulness he observed in the temple that day, those who needed and wanted his restorative care came to him, seeking his tenderness and his touch. And you see it when Matthew talked about the blind and the lame seeking out the Savior. The last sentence of that passage that I read, it says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. You don't want to extract or, excuse me, separate that sentence from his anger. He expressed visible, visceral anger that day in the temple, turning over the tables, and right at that moment, the blind and the lame came to him seeking his tenderness <clears throat> excuse me and his touch righteous anger does not scare people away from the righteously angry person because they perceive the person's ability to help them. Put that within a parental conflict, because I think many times that uh, parents can become sinfully angry with their children, and if we are focused on the error and not the person, the person will perceive that, and they will be drawn to the tenderness and touch of that parent. Jesus was able to be angry and caring, at the same time. Remarkable. You see, he had power over his power. See, anger is power. No question. Anger is a force, but then the spirit is also power as well. And so he had the spirit's power that was ruling over his human power. One power will always rule over the other, and the other will always submit. Now, we can quench the Spirit, we can grieve the Spirit, and that's when our power is overruling the Spirit's power. But when I say Jesus had power over his power, his human power was submitted to a higher power. Our anger won't be sinful when divine power overrides and superintends our human power. Unrighteous anger is a different beast because this unleashing comes from the rogue, destructive human motives and deceptions. And that's when our power is unleashed. And that is when the spirit is quenched and grieved. The anger of Jesus was spirit-led Spirit-managed, spirit-controlled anger allowed him to focus his fury on the sinfulness at hand. And unlike a raging river out of his banks, his anger did not negatively affect those who needed more than his righteous indignation. If our anger is righteous, it should not be a stumbling block to those within earshot to find help even from the one expressing the anger. Righteousness begets righteousness, not unrighteousness. You remember what James says, for the anger of man 
does not produce the righteousness of God. Man's anger does not produce the righteousness of God, but spirit-led, spirit-infused anger does produce righteousness, and those who experience it or who are within earshot of it are not afraid. They know that they can come to that person. And so one of the key elements to righteous anger, to know the difference between righteous and unrighteous, is community. It has a communal effect as the lame and the blind came to him and and he healed them. All right, so here's a couple of questions to think about under this element of community. Do righteous purposes control your anger? Or does it jump the banks and hurt those who need your care? Now, please understand with this question that I'm not speaking about patterns or habits. I'm sorry. I am speaking about patterns and habits of your anger. I'm speaking how you are normally characterized when you are angry. I recognize that, and I know that all of us have had episodes of unrighteous anger, and I trust they are episodes, that you're not characterized as an unrighteous, angry person, that your habit is not unrighteous anger. And so when I ask the question, do righteous purposes control your anger, I'm talking about generally that's your habit. That's how you're characterized as righteous purposes control your anger and not any specific episodes because all of us can draw out episodes of unrighteous anger and those regretful moments that we had, but hopefully you are characterized as a person who has righteous purposes when you're angry, and that would be righteous anger. Question number two, does your anger inhibit people from engaging you for redemptive purposes? Again, remember, the blind and the lame came to him right on the hills of his righteous indignation. The title of this podcast and the article that I'm sharing with you is How to Distinguish Between Righteous and Unrighteous Anger. I've looked at three elements of righteous anger. That's anger and humility anger and redemption, and anger and community. I've also asked two questions under each one of those elements, and I want to wrap up the podcast by asking you a few more, and I trust that as you have time and desire that you would go to this article. By the way, if you scroll to the bottom of it, you can print it off and and you could use it. This would be a tremendous small group uh, conversation. It would also be a great conversation within a marriage between a husband and a wife, and of course, for a family to sit around at the dinner table or hanging out in the living room or wherever and and working through this article could be hugely transformative for the folks within that familial dynamic. But the key to this podcast really is humility. If we are humble people— We will share these ideas within our sphere of influence. We will examine any needed areas of growth. If you're not willing to share these things with a friend, with a spouse, with a family member, with a church member, then maybe you have your answer as to whether your anger is more righteous or more unrighteous. And so as you work through the questions that I've already asked, there's been six, uh, three couplets, a couplet under each title. Here's a couple of more, and we'll, we'll finish up here. Number one, do you ask others their opinion of their of your anger, not their anger? 
do you ask others their opinion of your anger? Going back to something that I've done many times in a counseling session, because you can sense it. I mean, if you are a Christian, the Spirit illuminates your mind, and you do have this otherworldly sensitivity to the things that you do. Not only is your conscience uh, reminding you, going off, sounding an alarm, because it's not dull, not hard, but you also have the Spirit illuminating your mind. And so you should be, this should be a habit in your life that you do ask others their opinion on your anger, not just your anger, but also your communication. Number two, are you the only person you allow to judge your anger? Now, that really ties into humility or a lack thereof. Number three, does your anger have redemptive or restorative purposes? Maybe you can describe a time when it did and describe a time when it did not so that you can distinguish between them. A great conversation topic. Number four, does the Spirit of God control your anger? Do you have power over your power? Does the Spirit... Spirit's power, manage, superintend, control your power. A great way to put That is a definition, by the way, of self-control. And then the follow-up question is, how do you know? How did your friend respond to this question? So when you talk to them, how did they respond? And then finally, number five, when you are angry, do you sense the Spirit of God managing the force of your anger? Perhaps you can describe a moment like this and the outcome as the Spirit came upon you and began to manage your anger to move it down a righteous path. The title of the podcast and the video on YouTube, How to Distinguish Between Righteous and Unrighteous Anger. If you have any questions that you would like to ask our team, come to our ministry forums and we'd love to chat with you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.